This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Today is another Theology Bite, and we're going to be talking about what God thinks about divorce. That's right. So what does the Bible say about divorce? What does God say about divorce? What does he think about it? Um, This is a heavier subject, so what we're going to do is we're just going to trust the Lord that as we walk through these scriptures, he's going to instruct each one of us. And, uh, And so without further delay, why don't we go ahead and jump right in. So biblical divorce, this is a sensitive subject, and I just want to say for um, complete disclosure, my parents are divorced. So my mother and father, they divorced whenever I was quite young. Uh, Leah, my wife, her parents are not divorced, and in fact, they just completed their their 39-year anniversary. So the most important thing that we can remember is, regardless of our background, regardless of our life experiences, whenever we meet at the Bible, it's an even playing field. We do bring baggage, but what we have to do is ask the Lord to help us to see beyond our own baggage to His clear Word and what it teaches. Whenever we lay the foundation here on divorce, we need to look at marriage, because before divorce could take place, marriage has to happen. And when we look at Genesis 1, 27 to 28, we're given the account of creation, and this is what it says. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So right here what we can see is God created two sexes, male and female, in his image. And he blessed them. And part of that blessing is their ability to naturally reproduce children together. And again in Genesis 2.18, we're told, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verses 20 to 25 The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so we even see here further definition of this marriage. It's wife in singular, not wives. And then that brings us to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. Leo, why don't you read that to us? But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And thank you. And this is really, really important because Jesus is restating the definition that God gave in the beginning of marriage. It's marriage is between one biologically born man and one biologically born woman for all of their life on earth. And the marriage bond is naturally broken through death. There are some people like uh, the cult of Mormons, also known as Latter-day Saints, and they actually believe that they have something called the celestial marriage, that their marriage will last throughout all eternity. And Jesus actually responds to some Sadducees when they try to trap them and makes it quite clear that once we die, that marriage bond is broken. 
Now we've laid a foundation. Let's go to God's thoughts on divorce. And this is one that is typically quoted, um, but should never stand alone on its own. And it's Malachi 2.16, and it says this, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. And in the footnote of the ESV, which I'm reading from, it says, and he that hates her. Uh, so in about two-thirds of Bible translations, you'll see that this says God hates divorce. And in the other third, it'll say that the man who divorces his wife hates her. So either way you slice this, the person who is divorcing his wife is hating her. And this is not something that God has created. God does not want divorce. He does not desire divorce. And whenever it happens back then in Malachi, God was saying, I reject your sacrifices because you've covered my altar with tears. I see what you've done and I can't stand it. So we do see in the Old Testament, in the law, in the Old Covenant, that there was a place for divorce. There were rules for that. It's Deuteronomy 24, starting in verse 1. It says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife then her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled for that is an abomination before the lord and you shall not bring sin upon the land that the lord your god is giving you for an inheritance so right there we actually see that codified into the old testament there was the ability to write a certificate of divorce and put it in the woman's hand and send her out of the house, and she would have to leave the house. And uh, we can actually see Old Covenant divorces taking place in the book of Ezra. This is when the people of Israel had come back from Babylon, and um, you know God had actually said earlier in the law as well not to marry foreign women. Uh, not foreign women like my wife is British, I'm American, she's a foreign woman, that's okay. I'm not foreign, you're foreign. Right. Uh, we're both foreign. Uh, but here what it really meant is women that were worshiping other gods. And that's what they were doing whenever the uh, people of Israel were released from Babylon. They came back, they began to settle in the land, and they married foreign women. And they even had children with them. But Ezra told them, you need to divorce them because they're going to lead you back into the very idolatry which made you get vomited out of this land. But the new covenant is stricter. So don't just think because you rushed into marriage that somehow you get a free pass from God to leave it because you're under grace. And I want to say this as well. Don't apply Old Covenant to the New Covenant. You cannot please God by living according to the Old Testament laws. When it comes to everything, including marriage, the New Covenant is stricter than the Old. So let me give you an example of Jesus teaching on divorce, and that's in Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 3, and it says, And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh." What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And then continuing on in verse 7, they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? 
He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. That's right. Hardness of heart, that's that's the issue really in divorces. There's an issue in one or both of the hearts of the man and the woman in that marriage. You know, sometimes for, divorce can be forced upon one spouse, and they didn't want it, but the hardness of the heart of the other one is what caused it. There's a real spiritual issue going on here. And in Matthew 19, 9, it said, Jesus says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. So now we're getting into... Um, Getting into some stickier parts here. The nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty. It's important to see that there are commas there, except for sexual immorality. So if a man divorces his wife because she has been sexually immoral, he and he divorces her, he is free actually to remarry according to the words of Jesus. That's why he said, if you divorce your wife and marry another, you commit adultery, except for sexual immorality. And that also applies to women. It's not just if a man's been wronged, he's free, but if the woman's wronged, she's not free. And it doesn't mean that you have to because they committed adultery in a sexual manner. Like it doesn't mean, oh, well, you have to divorce them now, but, but you are free to, but you, you also don't have to. Amen. And, and, you know, that's even not God's full desire. I mean, he wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to forgive. And maybe even people saw what happened. He wants to make it a testimony and to show what the blood of Jesus and his grace can perform and make it a testimony. Right. And he can. He can do that. Amen. We have seen it. We have seen it. And it's just, let's let him work. If our hearts are open, if we'll repent and be open, God can do anything. Okay, so moving on, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, it says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, this is where we have to be very careful. Someone may say, well, he married a divorced woman, so he's committed adultery. But line upon line... Precept upon precept. And to provide further clarity, Jesus said again in Mark 10, 10 through 12, And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So unless adultery, sexual immorality has been committed, through Jesus' teaching here, you're not released. But if it has been committed against you, you should not walk around with a smear on your character if you get remarried. And people say, oh, well, they were, but their spouse broke it against them. And you don't always know the situation. So be very, very careful before you pass judgment. Very careful. Yeah, it just makes me think, you know, just the scripture we all know, just treat others as you would want to be treated. You know, just let's just be slow to judge. Now, I do want to say, you can't just decide to go get a divorce and get remarried for any reason. We're walking through this. I don't love her anymore. We've grown apart. Or I found someone else. God's not okay with that. Just because you want out, that doesn't mean you get out. This is a covenant. And covenants are serious with God. He will help you. And look, you may say, well, I rushed in and I made a mistake. Well, look, you've made a covenant before the Lord. And you may have rushed in. But I know God, and I've seen him work in my own life. 
And even whenever I maybe have rushed into something, maybe not necessarily marriage, but something else, God has been there for me. He's helped me. And this is so serious. This is so serious. He's even patterned, he, he said that marriage, it's like the church. The church is a picture of that marriage between him and his body. So he'll help you. He will help you even in the midst of that. And it's also just a, more, a warning not to rush. And, you know, the Bible says a wise man does not make haste. You know, this is a big, huge, life-altering decision. Don't rush. Absolutely. If you've got people around you sounding off whistles and saying, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, and it's coming from multiple voices, you need to take heed. But if that happened and you still got married, don't now try to back out because you'll cause destruction to your life and to theirs. So we've seen that reasons for divorce include sexual immorality, and I want to walk through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. So, Leah, why don't you read those first two verses? To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried, or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. So this, whenever you start this chapter, uh, chapter 7, Paul says, uh, discussing the things that you wrote to me about. So this is an actual example from the church. Uh, they have people who have come out of paganism, they've gotten saved, and they're, they need instruction. How do we live this life? And Paul's saying, look, you believers, don't, don't just get divorced. And remember, there's no adultery here. Remain single or else be reconciled back to your partner. Those are your two options. If, if adultery has not been committed, and if your heart is hard and you get divorced, you have two options, stay single or get reconciled back to them. Jesus, you know, again, he's able to reconcile. If the hearts are soft, he's able to perform a miracle. So Leah, why don't you read uh, 12 to 14? To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Right, so now we're walking into relationships here where one spouse is saved and one is not. So again, this is a community of believers some of these relationships, only one spouse got saved and the other one is still lost. They're still a pagan. And so what Paul is instructing here is that, look, if you're a wife and you have a husband and he's not saved, but he's still happy to live with you, he loves you, don't go divorce him just because you got saved and he's not a believer. And the same thing, if you're a husband and you've got a wife and y'all were saved before, uh, y'all were married before you got saved, don't go looking to separate from her because whenever we skip to verse 16, it actually says, you don't know what's going to happen. It says, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So it's not that they are automatically born again, uh, because it says, you know, it says made holy. But it is, they have the opportunity to be born again, because that example is in the home. Christ is in the home. That home has been set apart for the Lord, simply because you're a believer in it. But I do want to say this, that was written two people who came out of paganism and they were already married. If you're a believer, avoid marriage with a person who does not know Jesus. Don't take this scripture out of context and think that you'll save them. I remember even hearing, overhearing, the Lord showed me it was okay for me to marry them, which is not scriptural. It says in 2 Corinthians six fourteen to 15, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, 
For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Mm -hmm. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? You cannot get more yoked with a person through marriage. You're joined spiritually, physically, emotionally, sexually, mentally with this other person. It, You know, in my mind, I think about trying to run a marathon with someone who weighs 500 pounds. You're not the same. You're not going to go anywhere. It's going to be a frustrated race. And that is a very carnal, simple example. It's an example where at the end, all you could have won was a place. But we're running a race of faith. And if we connect ourselves willingly to someone who does not know the Lord, we're really just hurting ourselves and we're not going to be used like we could. And it's just it's just black and white. You know, that that is pretty clear. You know, just don't do it. The Lord isn't going to, quote, show you anything that contradicts Scripture. You, there's no exceptions, not for you or me or anyone. Amen. And then this leads us to the last verse here. Um, I skipped over 1 Corinthians 7.15. It says, But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. And the word slave, enslaved there is doulos. It means a, a slave, a servant, willingly um, or unwillingly. And I believe what really what is being said here is if they abandon you, you don't divorce them if they're willing to stay with you. But if they leave you because of your walk with Christ, because you became a believer, you're not under bondage if they divorce you and you are free to remarry. So to read that again, it says, but if the unbelieving partner separates... Let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Amen. So if you're thinking about divorce, I would just want to ask you, why do you want one? Do you have issues? Look to the Lord. And I've said it again and again, but He is able to help you. He is able to turn a wreck of a marriage into a beautiful, beautiful example and humble yourself. Get good counseling. Go to a godly church leader who believes that Jesus is able to help you and, and be willing. You need both parties to be willing. And if you are, God will do it if you're both willing to walk with him along the way. And just in closing also is something that I feel like I would have done or, you know, would have experienced is we just make blanket assumptions on people that are divorced and we'll see someone who's divorced and then they get remarried. And I've seen it where people go, Oh, well they were divorced and they got remarried. That's wrong. And that's that as we've seen through all of these different scriptures, it's actually not quite as black and white as that. So just be careful. And again, we just caution you to be slow to judge. Just know you don't, you don't know every situation and that there are cases where a person is freed to be remarried. Amen. So if you have any questions about this, feel free to shoot us an email at contact at theologyonfire.org. Lord Jesus, we just pray that this would be a blessing, that it would free people. It would also put the fear of God within others. Lord, that we would take marriage seriously and that we would never seek divorce as much as is in us to avoid it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.